Who then is this? That is the question we're asking and that Mark is asking. Who is Jesus? You know, and that's what the Gospel of Mark is, is, is trying to force us to wrestle with this question. And how we answer this question has serious implications for us. Uh, will we get it right? Will we answer this question right about who Jesus is? In fact, this is one of the most important, if not the most important question we will ever have to wrestle with. Who is Jesus? And Mark is deeply concerned with this. And let me remind us of who Mark is writing his gospel to. He's writing to believers, people like you and me, people who already understand who Jesus is in a sense. But he's writing specifically to Christians in Rome who are being persecuted for the faith. They are struggling under immense persecution. And so he's trying to remind them again of who Jesus is and who they are. And they needed to be reminded of the implications of their faith. And we see, because we see throughout Mark, uh, throughout the gospel, that Jesus has these interactions and uh, these conflicts with the spiritual realm. And again, it's reminding us that, that this world is more than just the physical, it's spiritual as well. Uh, and as I said last week, Mark is trying to show us that any understanding of Jesus that is in conflict or differs from what Jesus truly is, is satanic in origin. So, and, and that's pretty harsh, but we see this when Peter, remember when Peter correctly answers Jesus' question, who do you say I am? And, and Peter says, you are the Messiah? And, and Jesus says, yeah, you answered correctly. And he's commended for his answer. However, when he follows that up with rejecting what Jesus says Messiah really means... How does Jesus respond? Does he say, well, you're almost there. You're close. You almost got it. But you got this part wrong? No. What, what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Ouch. That's, that's a little hard. He says, turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. There's more to this world than just the physical. But, but let that just sink in for a moment. Because we also know that, uh, as I said last week, that, that Mark is writing the gospel most likely from Peter's recollections. So I can just imagine P uh, Mark hearing this story from the lips of Peter himself. Can you imagine that interaction? Here Peter was up on the, the high plane, and you know he answered correctly, and Jesus commended him for it, and then turns around and Jesus calls him, Satan. Peter is one of Jesus' best friends. And Jesus calls him out publicly in front of all the others. You know, as guys, don't we love that when we're called out publicly? Yeah. We hate it. It's the worst thing imaginable. But this is how important it is, is that Jesus just rebukes him in front of everybody and says, no. He calls him Satan. See, if our understanding of Jesus is wrong then we are spiritually promoting satanic purposes, according to Jesus' own words. This isn't just a human conflict, but a very spiritual conflict that has cosmic implications for us. So back to the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Well, 
I love the way the gospel, and Mark specifically, tries to answer this question. Because if, if you remember, Mark only tells us one time, and that's in chapter 1, verse 1. This is the story of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then he doesn't tell us. He tells us a story. So, let me tell you a story. Three, in fact. The first one you just heard just a second ago. One day it was evening, and, and Jesus said to his disciples, let's, let's go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. Let's, let's go from this crowd and, and go, go to the other side. And so it's at night, and, and the text says they, they get in the boat, and they're, and they're rowing across the Sea of Galilee. And, and this is where some of the details of, that Mark brings in. He says that other boats were with him, and they're going across the Sea of Galilee. And it says in the, in the night, a storm comes up. And typically on the Sea of Galilee, storms occur during the day. But you never know when a storm will come up because the sea is surrounded by mountains and it's below sea level and the, the winds can come over the, uh, the mountains and all of a sudden there'll be a storm. And so here are these, uh, these seamen, they're struggling and it says the, the boat is being swamped and Jesus is asleep in the stern with his head on a cushion or on a pillow. He's asleep. And, and, and the disciples, they're a little upset with Jesus. Because he's sleeping, and they're rowing hard, and, and, and they wake him up, and they say, Jesus, don't you care? I love that. You don't care, do you, Jesus? What's going on in my life? That's how we get sometimes, isn't it? You don't care. And, and what does Jesus do? He says, he gets up, and he rebukes the wind, and he says, peace, be still. And, and it says the disciples are afraid. They're more afraid of Jesus at this point than they were of the storm just a moment before. And they say to themselves, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey? And the text says that they get to the other side. And it's a region of the, the country called the Gerasenes. And all of a sudden as they get out on the shore, there's this man this crazy man who's running up to Jesus. It's the type of man, you, maybe you've, you've seen this type of man before. On, walking on the streets, you smell him before you see him. And you hear him as he's talking to himself or screaming to himself. He's cut up all over. The text says that he, his name is Legion because there's so many demons living inside of him, tormenting him. We've seen those crazy people before, some of us. We like to walk on the other side, don't we? Well, the text says that, that he had a demonic strength that the people of the city that was nearby, they tried to chain him up, but the even chains couldn't hold him. And so the man hung out in the graveyard in the tombs, and that was okay because then the people didn't really have to deal with him. He's over there. And, and it says that, that the text says that he runs up to Jesus and, and he says this, what do you want with me, Jesus? Put, this, put it up there, if you would. Next what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? This is a fascinating statement. Why? Why is this so fascinating? Jesus and the man had never met before. This is the first time they've ever saw each other. And what does he say? What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? The demons knew who he was. What do you want? And, and, and it says Jesus rebuked the demons and and asked him his name, and, and he took the demons out of him and sent them into the pigs, and they went off into the hillside. And the man said so they dressed him in, in new clothes, and he was there in his right mind. He was made whole again. And, and, and what happened? The people of the town, they were, 
terrified of Jesus as well. In fact, they didn't say, oh, we got more sick people, come fix them. No, they said, oh, why don't you leave and go away? Because we don't know who you are. Just go. And so the text says he actually got back in the boat and then started back the other way, on the other side. And it says that as they got back on the other side, on the Israel side, they, he stepped out of the boat and, and this man, it says, it doesn't say what city or what town or village they're at, but this man named Jairus, he's a synagogue leader. He comes up and he kneels at Jesus' feet and he begs him. He says, please come to my home for my daughter is deathly ill and is dying. And Jesus says, okay. And, it's, and it says that there's crowds all around Jesus and they're pressing in and they're, they're walking. They're going to Jairus' house. And, and, it, and then that story is interrupted by another story. You'll find this throughout Mark. There's a story and it's interrupted by another story. But uh, here it's interrupted by this woman who it says has a hemorrhage. And she's had this hemorrhage for 12 years, this, this bleeding that she can't stop. And in fact, she's desperate. And she spent all of her time with physicians and no one can heal her. And she spent all of her money trying to get well. And it says she's not better, she's actually worse. And she's in a desperate situation because she's heard of Jesus. But what's the problem? She's unclean because she has a flow of blood. And any flow of blood makes you unclean. And so what does it mean to be unclean? It means you cannot be in a crowd of people because you would make the whole crowd unclean. But she's desperate. And so she sneaks up and she thinks to herself, if only I could just, if I could just touch his garment, I could be made well. And she reaches up and she touches the fringe of Jesus' garment and immediately it says that, that she knew that she was healed. The blood flow stopped. And also Jesus immediately knew that something had taken place. And he turns and he says, who touched me? And his disciples are scratching their head saying, what do you mean who touched you? Because you have a whole crowd of people around you. There are probably several people who have touched you as we're walking in this crowd. And he said, no, no, no. Someone intentionally touched me. And the woman knows that she's caught. And she, she comes up and says, yes, it was I. And, and what did Jesus say? He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And so they start going back towards the house of Jairus. And, and from the house come friends of Jairus. And, and, and they can see it on their face that it's not good. And in fact, they tell Jairus, don't, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter has died. And the text says that she's 12 years old. And Jesus says, don't worry, believe. And so he takes him up into the upper room where the, the girl's lying down dead. And, and he looks at this girl, Jesus does, and he says, get up. And she gets up, and he restores her to her family. The girl is raised from the dead. Who is Jesus? From these stories emerge a picture of who Jesus is. They don't tell us outright who Jesus is, but they give us implications because we see that first in that first story that he has power over nature, over the winds and the waves. And then the second, we, we see that he has power over demons. And in that third story, we see that he has power over disease. And in the fourth story, we see that he has power over death. I don't know about you, but that I don't know any human who has that. I don't know about, I've never seen a human that has that type of power. 
But many people today, they, they look at Jesus and they say, oh, he's, he was a good man. He taught some good stuff. In fact, even many Christian scholars, so-called scholars, try to write off these stories as, as legends or exaggerations. They try to explain away these miracles in a way that can be defined by some natural law. Well, it just so happened that they got healed at that time, and it wasn't really Jesus. Or sure, He couldn't have done that. And, and I agree with them. No man can do this. But that's not the point. I don't think Mark believed he was just a man. See, the whole gospel is filled with miracle upon miracle surrounding Jesus. In fact, if you step back from Mark and you, and you kind of take a global view, kind of what we did last week and, and kind of what I'm doing right now, is, is if we look back, we see that there are five stories of miracles involving nature. Jesus calming the sea, Jesus feeding the 5,000, Jesus feeding uh, the 4,000, him walking on the Sea of Galilee, and then he cursing a fig tree and it withering up. There are four exorcisms. Uh, he a man with an unclean spirit, a man named Legion, we just talked about, a girl with an unclean spirit, a boy with an unclean spirit that caused convulsions and, and made him unable to speak. There are eight stories of miracle healings. Peter's mother-in-law, a leper made clean, a man paralyzed made whole, a man with a deformed hand, a woman with a hemorrhage, a deaf man who could then hear, and two different times a man who was blind who can now see. There's one resurrection, not counting Jesus, the girl who was raised from the dead. And beyond these, there are four summaries of healings. In chapter 134, it says, And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. Chapter 3, For he had cured many so that all who had diseases pressed upon him to touch him. Chapter 6, He laid his hands on a few sick people and cured him. Later on in chapter 6, And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringes of his cloak and all who touched it were healed. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Who is Jesus? In fact, I, as I was thinking about the, all these stories, I, I went back through the Gospel of Mark again and I thought, you know, so many people get it wrong about who Jesus is. But Mark is, doesn't want us to get it wrong. In fact, I went through and, and I highlighted or I blacked out all the verses that talk about Jesus doing a miracle or all the verses that talk about Jesus being more than human. And, and this is what you get right here. Can you see that? See, Thomas Jefferson did that as well. Do you know that? Jefferson didn't like uh, these miracle stories because he thought, oh, Jesus is just a good man. But that's not what the gospel writers is trying to show us, is it? So what's left in the wording? The parables, some transition sentences, and the crucifixion. That's what's left when you take out everything else. Who is Jesus? If indeed he has power over nature power over demons, power over disease, and power over death, then he is much more than just a man. He is Messiah. He is Lord. He is God in flesh. He is Emmanuel, God with us. If Jesus is indeed Lord, then, then what does that mean for us today? That's such a good question. What does that mean? What do these stories have to show us today? 
Because if they're just stories and they don't impact us today, then, then we've missed the point. We've missed who Jesus is. I think for part of it, it, it means for us how we live today is we have to shift our focus. We get out of focus so easily. See, sometimes we, we focus too much on the, the chaos around us or we focus on the brokenness or the disease or the death. And it's easy to do. But see, we have one who has conquered all of these. See, we get afraid. And we're, we're like the disciples in the boat and it's like, Jesus, you really don't care, do you? Or we get desperate and we turn to the wrong things and, and we forget. See, our fear, we should not live in fear, but we should have a fear of the Lord. We should be in awe because we are a people, if we see Jesus right, then we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid of anything. Of death, it'll come to us. Of disease, we'll probably get one. It doesn't matter because we have a God who has suffered all of those things with us. But we have hope. We have something beyond. See, there are no safe places in the world apart from Jesus. Jesus has battled the storm and won. He has beaten Satan. He has conquered illness and death. We have no reason to fear. Where's our focus? We have to focus on who Jesus is. Let us pray.